Welcome to The Last American Vagabond. I have an interview planned today that I've been looking forward to, something that really overlaps with a lot of the things that we've been talking about. Today, joining me is going to be Destiny Resendez to discuss, as you can see here, do you really want to know who makes the Moderna COVID-19 vaccines? And this is a conversation about a company that is used, well, I seeming like a, a kind of a shell game of companies here that has been used in regard to the COVID-19 vaccinations. And when her work through this thread, when you start digging into this company, you start finding a lot of very concerning overlaps with DOD, military side of things, as well as nanotechnology, which makes sense in regard to how these injections are being presented. But when you dig into the, more, the bigger picture, as a lot of my audience has seen, there's a lot more concerning around the nanotechnology angle. So I've invited Destiny on today to discuss this thread, go through all that she's found, and uh, introduce you to yet another outstanding person on Twitter that's breaking some stuff down. So how are you today? Thanks for joining me. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing good. Well, there's, this is, there's just so much of this going on right now, and there's just so many strings and threads to be pulled, you know, and I'm really, I'm noticing a lot of that. There's a lot of really great work of people just breaking down things that you just don't see anywhere else on Twitter, you know? And so I really enjoyed that breakdown you had. And uh, so we're going to go through that pretty much through how, you know, whichever parts you want to go through, and we can discuss this entire situation, but let's start off with, you know, who you are, where you come from and how you got into doing this in general. Um, well, my name is Destiny, as you guys know. And I'm an independent researcher. I have always been interested in the medical industry because I started off college uh, at ODU to go there for pediatric nursing, which I did end up changing my major later. But um, I'm also an unvaccinated person, like never from anything been vaccinated. So whenever there's a big vaccine rollout, um, it catches my attention. Oh, so and nothing ever in your entire life. That's never rare today. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm like the government's like number one target right now. Like I'm certain they're going to knock at my door with a whole bunch of syringes one day and just come inject me. Um, so like that was, I took it really personally. Um, I lost my stepfather through bad COVID, you know, 19 protocols. Um, and so there's just, you know, it just took my attention and it took all my time. I already do. Um, like I'm, a, I'm an artist in my for a career. So I have plenty of free time. I work from home and I just, took a deep dive. Like I think a lot of people um, fortunately have done, which is they take it into their own hands because we can't trust the mainstream media. And um, I've been on it literally ever since. I love that. I mean, th this is something that I often highlight. I mean, I, I have a similar background. I mean, I, I I'm a chef. By practice. That's, that's what I, I did for years. And I went through Culinary Institute of America and, you know, was running restaurants and and just at some point I've told the story many times. I, I just decided to break away from that. And I focused on this that I'd created and I never expected to be this. And the point is that you get a lot of that today. They're like, why should we listen to you? It's like, well, you can if you want to. It's your choice. Right. It's just yeah. it's information. Right. And there's a lot of individuals out there like yourself that are just recognizing a need. That's exactly what I saw. Like, well, when you realize that we're being lied to and it's not just one side of the paradigm, you start going <laughs> <It's> everywhere. <laughs> yeah. You start going, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to do what I can too. You know, I really respect that. And I, I think it's, I hope people will check out the work. So, so let, let's, let's start with, uh, with the general premise here. So you, what really first started you on this path in regard to Moderna resilience or national resilience or resilience Inc or the different names we're going to get into what caught your attention? Uh, it originally caught my attention because I, I run a bit shoot channel. I, I also do truthing all, all the time and I focus on getting the vaccine bears information out there. Mm. And I started noting discrepancies between the injuries and the deaths by manufacturer. And so that got me looking into who's actually making the vaccines. And um, I found out Moderna themselves weren't making their own vaccines. And so that was where I really started to dive in. And then I found resilience 
which I found out wasn't really resilience. And it's just, it, it snowballed from there. So mm-hmm. yeah. Well, as it says here in the fall of 2021, Moderna hired and tasked a supposedly new pharmaceutical manufacturing company called national resilience or just resilience to make all of their COVID-19 injections. As you wrote, national resilience wasn't its true name and wasn't truly new either. So let's start right there. So what, what, give me the breakdown on what you found going through usspending.gov. And by the way, the information's here for anybody that wants to check it out, the links that you can research for yourself. So what, what did you uncover there? So resilience or national resilience wasn't their real name. It was more like a shortened, condensed version of the resilience government services, Mm. which is what its actual corporate name is through any government entity. That's what you'll find it as. And that isn't a new company. They said it started in 2020. It's their new initiative, really, and rebranding of their name started in 2020. They actually formed originally as Ology Bioservices, which is a massive um, DOD partnered pharmaceutical company in Florida and Alachua, um, which is known as like a kind of like a research triangle of the South. And lots of companies have come out of there. That particular company, Ology, had absorbed previous companies, um, Nanotherapeutics Incorporated and um, Nanosphere Incorporated. They have, all of them have long ties to the DOD for making bioweapon you know, bioweapon pharmaceuticals and, and um, like, a, for instance, like they had for the Gulf War, they had the Mark II, which was not made by them, but they've made a similar one for anthrax mm-hmm. uh, in their previous company, Ology did a 200 plus million dollar contract with DOD just a few years ago. Um, so these are sketchy companies and it's just bothersome that they would have marketed it resilience to being new like that was something they marketed in press releases everything this is a new company they really wanted you to believe that there was no history to this company and that was just a false belief that was a very false advertising it was just not true in the slightest um I, I ologies long-standing you know so I, I think that's really important for the like especially people that have paid attention over the years to foreign policy it's a classic tactic to you know you, they rebrand they recreate and we see this happening today with mainstream media actually, but where they try to recreate themselves and and reframe it in a different way. And the truth is that they just give it a new name and it's the same practice, the same agenda, the same research. You know, this happens a lot with groups, the U S funds overseas where they just repackage them and sell it a different way. And you also note, which I found interesting that they, it wasn't worth the amount they were even putting forward, but in fact, actually closer to 2.1 billion, you know, just so it's very clear. They wanted us to see this as some new upstart and a different, you know, when reality, it ties back to the deep DOD, contracts of the past as well as my interest here was the nanotechnology overlap which seems to have been almost intentionally distanced would you agree with that from the names and what they were saying i would say that they definitely tried to keep it out of the sphere of knowledge they definitely Mm. were not trying to market that i think they wanted to come in as this very innocent suite from you know the bay area company you know it's has a lot of hope you know they they pulled an obama with it really it's like it's the change and hope and it's new and it's like not really um yeah that's pretty much what they did and the funding that comes into resilience government services you would think would be hhs would be their top federal uh funder it's not it's the dod right and you will see that time and time again with the pharmaceutical companies that are doing COVID-19 vaccines that 100% across the board. In fact, I have with me 
the top 100 contracts from 2021 and the top for for hhs it's not even pfizer or moderna is not number one but for for the dod yes it, for the army it's number one because hmm. these are all ran through army contracts right that's a really important point for people to understand this is there's a lot of overlap to this conversation it's actually kind of shocking to me that people act like this is not easily provable, but like Sasha Latipova has been really highlighting the reality, the medical countermeasures, the, and what that truly means in regard to the FDA and so on. But what it's, it's operation warp speed, right? This is no secret. It's an obvious operation, military overlap in general. But so what, what does that mean to the average person from your perspective? So it's a military overlap is go ahead. Okay. The, the difference that happened and this actually was something, a recent threat of mine, because it really upset me to see this that the legislation that needed to be passed in order for what is working with the DOD partnerships now is, or, or was, I should say, under the Trump administration in June of 24th of 2019, they signed in the FEMC Act, which is the um, Public Health Emergency Medical Countermeasures um, Act. And that act was that summer. And then in November, they had the Memorandum of Understanding 115-092. And this allowed for the DNI, which is the Deputy Director of National Intelligence, mm -hmm. to oversee these procurements. And that's Avril Haines uh, currently. No sense with what we're supposed to understand the way this works. I mean, it's a military yeah. oversight, right? So we have military and now we have intelligence community right. that's overseeing all this. And I personally don't trust the intelligence community uh, at all. Like, you know, it's, 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 why would they be involved in pharmaceuticals? And that's what should bother people. Why are they making your vaccines? Why are, why is this a thing? And the reason is, is because it cuts a lot of corners. Um, it becomes a military action and then it's, it has almost no barriers. There's no right. oversight. There's no testing that's legitimate. And they get to also cut out a piece of the pie for these contracts with HHS and NIAID. So it's about money and it's about fast tracking all of it. And that's not safe. That's, yeah. that's the bottom line. It's not safe. Right. Well, and I'm glad you said that, too, because that is for the average person who is just wildly on guard to what they think is conspiracy theory these days. You know what you explained right there is very commonplace. It's not some conspiracy theory. It's about just trying to maximize profit, you know, influence the, the situation. But see, I tend to think that there is more to the story. And it's just my opinions, but I, we'll maybe get into some of these yeah. overlaps of what the military potentially is trying to achieve through this end. Now, that doesn't mean that we know for sure that there was that what they're telling us is not the exact case in regard to the injections. However, we'll, we can see a lot of the research that this is where I think it's really interesting that overlaps, which I'll show you and you can give me your thoughts on this with the people involved in this people like Robert Langer, people like Charles Lieber and the research yeah. they were involved with and how it seems to be coming kind of full circle to the very same kind of like biosensing internal implantation kind of nanotechnology, which is wildly concerning. People actually think that sounds like conspiracy theory, but there's a lot of research. It's not, science, it's not but, though. There's yeah. a directive from, I think it's an army directive and it came out maybe 2019, 2020 warning the uh, head of heads of state that we could have these gene specific, right. um, you know, biologics that could be very dangerous. And they warned, Everybody that was in the ranks, don't don't be giving out your DNA to any of these testing things because that that's a possibility. So if it's a possibility, then they have the technology, and it's not that you know crazy of a conspiracy. At least not in my mind. I hear a helicopter. I live close to a military base. If you hear a helicopter, I apologize. No, no, um, no worries. Go ahead. Please. I get the yeah, big ones coming over every day. 
Yeah, no, no worries, no worries. I, I'm sure my pup will make some noise here in a minute. Anyway, <laughs> but, I can mute if you need me to. So, oh no, no, it's oh. okay. I, I, we actually don't hear anything. But, but okay, so cool. back to, the, to your thread here, um, bringing this back up, it says resilience is actually named multiple entities, and this is where the the point you made a moment ago in regard to the military overlap and so on, it and the intelligence specifically. It really does show you, like, if you stand back and look at classic operations overseas, whether military or intelligence and the overlap therein, it's obvious that this is the way that these are usually conducted, where you have, you know, these kind of shell games, misinformation, the way that they present themselves. They're obviously trying to hide something here. So there's no real logical argument for someone to say that that's just about national security or it doesn't make sense other than there's something else going on around the vaccination agenda. Now, that's just that's just a kind of a superficial perspective on what that might suggest. And I don't think that's easy to to see. But now when you get into the names and the overlaps and that it's narrow nanotherapeutics, nanosphere, Inc., ology, bioservices and government resilient services. Now, all of these different names seem to be overlapped with this company. Now, would you have any background on that you want to get into in regard to the time frame or you go, we go to the next point? Well, the, yeah, the time frame of, uh, with these is they, when they got their contracts, their most recent ones, and for, from my understanding, the owners of Resilience and their previous companies, so Nanosphere, Nanotherapeutics, all of them in Ology, they had contracts that were recent within a year or two of being like absorbed by Resilience for, um, Yastina Purisis or Pertissis, which is the, the plague. And you had for Anthrax. And they also had new contracts for these similar to the Mark II injectable for anthrax as well. And they're looking into um, a couple other different bioweapons. But those were recent contracts. It was almost as if they waited for those procurements to happen in order to be put in that company so that they have the ownership of the actual technology. And it also comes with a BSL level three, um, you know, one of the companies that Alachua one has the BSL three at their uh, disposal. So right. they were waiting, I think for those procurements in order to take them over so that they would have everything they needed. That actually what, what they have planned. Yeah. That actually makes a lot of sense. Like the idea of it, it's the shell game really like, so you, you, your scrutiny is applied to the earlier company and then you just kind of absorb it. And then you kind of overstep over that kind of mm -hmm. scrutiny. That's very interesting. And, and you know, the, it's obvious that this happens on a larger scale all the time. And I think that what we can see is an attempt to kind of hide that obvious connection to these companies. And then I would ask why that would be like, what's the nanotechnology aspect of this that you're trying to avoid oversight with in regard to the companies and what they're trying to accomplish. Now, it's, right. it says listed as investors is Google, Lux Capital, Magnetic Ventures. The COO for Resilience was a senior advisor for, for rival uh, Pfizer. Nanotherapeutics Resilience CEO of 17 years now runs Alchem Robert Malone's company, which I found very interesting. Which there's a lot of people that are beginning to be very skeptical of the connection there in regard to what's going on in these, you know, kind of truth tellers out there today. Yeah, there's a, um, you know, there, there, there's some significant notable independent researchers that I do know. I'm not going to name names, but, uh, that have it out for Malone. Uh, from what I've seen and gathered, I wouldn't say that he is hands down like some nefarious actor. Mm -hmm. He just recently stood up for us at Parliament um, in the COVID conference. And from what it seems like is he runs in the same circles as these mm -hmm. people, but not on the same initiatives. Right. Although he is in the active initiative, which I haven't researched enough to know his role in it, but the active is specifically a COVID-19 um, commission. So right. I will have to look into it, but I wouldn't say he's, I'm not ruling it out, but I'm not saying he's a bad character yet, but it is yeah. interesting for sure. Well, I, 
I really value and appreciate your objectivity. I agree. I mean, I would say there's I, there's a lot of suspicion now, especially like my personal standpoint would be both with him and Dr. Peter McCullough, which I respect both of them. I've interviewed both of them, is that we, we, I don't see how we can venture into, especially right now, mm-hmm. a discussion about using mRNA and vaccination when with all that we know about the regulatory process and what's already been, we've been lied to about, like, how do they see that going forward? Like, I'm, I'll, I'll hear things, but it's going to be a really hard sell for me to be my mindset is like, I just want to ignore that conversation for a few years before we can understand what's fully going on in regard to using MRNA in medicine, you know, and yet both of them seem to be kind of at least entertaining that thought. So it does make me skeptical, you know, so I, but I'm with you. I feel like there's not, we shouldn't be jumping to conclusions. Maybe they just think that that's the right way to go. That's always possible. You know? Yeah. Well, I think it's been in their, their arena of conversation. I think it's been in their arena for much longer than it has been for a researcher or someone in the public, because, uh, you know, these things, these are pipelines that take, you know, generations to come through with, with technology like this and the, the patents getting ready for this MRNA release has been going on for well, you know, in the shadows for quite a long time in their field, it's more commonplace to them. And I think that they're pretty normalized to it. And we're far more skeptical because it's new to us, but to them, I don't think it's really that new. So I don't think that they are necessarily questioning it. It might be a problem of like group think where they've just been mm-hmm. used to it for a while and aren't thinking of the, the problems. But I do know that like McCullough is very hesitant. I talked to Dr. McCullough quite frequently and um, I'm pretty sure Robert Malone from what he said publicly, at least says that we need to definitely take our time with this because it has mm-hmm. been unsuccessful in the past. Right. And as I've always said, and this has been my common stance on this long before COVID-19 is we have a lot of reasons to be skeptical about the the, the core understanding of what we're told about these things. Right. Like that's what I basically I put it is, is if what we know about vaccination technology is correct. And that's a huge if I would argue for a lot of reasons today, then I would argue that you could apply the science in a way that would be possibly beneficial as long as there's choice for people now. And that, yeah, that kind of arc, irritates both sides, it seems, of the anti-vax or all pro-vax. And the point is just being objective about it but i you know i i will i will entertain these possibilities going forward and i and i my personal opinion it seems like dr peter mccall in particular has good mm-hmm. intentions with what he's trying to accomplish great. yeah he's my great. Opinion. but i my thing is but is the the modified rna direction not to jump into another conversation but all of these are talking about synthetic mod rna and that's actually i, I don't see even a possible use for the messenger rna organic in concept of what they're talking about it has to be synthetic as far as yeah. i understand it so I, I just have pause there but yeah like we said let's let's you know be objective as it comes forward and see where it goes from there but let, i want to jump into one side point here and then we can go back to your thread i actually just went over this it con- this information from your thread on uh this was like a two-part show on this discussion about it, the deception dod vaccine origins and so on so if you mm-hmm. want to check that out i went over that but here's some of the things that I kind of pointed out in this it, coming from your research. And I, I wanted some of your thoughts on this in general. This this is just the Yahoo News breakdown tech crunch of resilience raising over $800 million to transform pharmaceutical manufacturing into response to COVID-19. Now, remember the point that she just went over, that the, the company itself has gone through this kind of re this, this you know, facelift and change about what we're supposed to see them as. And it ties back to the DOD and intelligence and so on. So here's what stood out to me. And you tell me, it, jump in anytime. Resilience, a new biopharmaceutical company backed by $800 million in financing from investors, including Arch Venture Partners. And so I I immediately wanted to look into that specifically. But before that, you already see you've seen these. The idea that Gottlieb is connected to the concept. You mentioned that in your thread. Oh, oh, yeah. He's he's the worst. Like, I mean, there's so many in there. There's conflicts of interest. Oh, man. It's it's just it's it's mind numbing when you get into it. It's a mess. 
It is. Well, it's insulting, you know, to act like this isn't, they always pretend like there's a, you know, we, we, everybody's got conflicts, so we have to pick the worst one. That's not true. There's, a, there's yeah. endless people out there that don't have conflicts of interest, and they just pretend mm-hmm. like they're not qualified or whatever their arguments are. But so Arch Venture. So that's the first. Arch Venture. That's Robert Nielsen's company uh, who's on the board for, you know, resilience. So he's one of the uh, founding members. Uh, If you open the uh, open corporates on resilience, you'll find him listed as the first eight people that were on the company, along with, you know, Susan Desmond Hellman, who's Bill Melinda Gates Foundation. There's um, he is his company, Arch Ventures also has one of their critical partnerships with the 8VC, which is ran by Drew Odding and Joe Lonsdale. And Drew Lonsdale's got a colorful history himself. He's an Aspen Institute member. I mean, he's, I I don't trust him very much because, well, he's just, Aspen is a, is a, you know, a think tank. I don't trust in the slightest. I think we saw that that was provable with the Hunter Biden laptop Mm -hmm. exercise that they did with Twitter. And, um, you know, they're far more nefarious than people think. And that's, you know, I don't like anybody tied to them, but Arch Ventures is Robert Nielsen's baby. It's very much tied to people like Peter Thiel have investments through their companies there. There's, I mean, it's all these hedge fund billionaires and a bunch of money just trading hands is what it really comes down to. Well, and this is even another indication of the kind of the disconnect, right? So on, on the surface, we have resilience being funded. Right, but th- we have arc, arc, arc. You said arch or arc? I arch. said arch, but it could be arc. I mean, okay. Arch, we'll, I think. We'll go with arch, whichever one you say. Arch Ventures Partners is the is one of the ones funding into that. But then you break that even further down. And your point is that you find out that it's all the people you might expect. You know, this the largest funding series, seventy five million dollars, came from. Uh, this is and specifically in regard to the brain computer interface. Again, these overlaps are ridiculous. But Bezos, Amazon, Bill and, Bill and Gates Foundation, Microsoft, right? So there's all these interesting overlaps. So that was the first thing that kind of stood out to me. The other one is uh, Luciana Barrio. She's on the board um, right. for Arch, and she was the inspiration for resilience, according to an interview that was done with um, with Robert Nielsen. So they're close, right? And um, from paperwork, I can say that they. Definitely know each other from the Council of Foreign Relations, of which they both sit on. Mm-hmm. Um, right. She's exactly. also a, a Johns Hopkins graduate. She's actually an incredibly intelligent woman. I mean, she's also um, in QTEL, vice president. So right. she's CIA, essentially, and um, very intelligent. She was on the Operation Warp Speed, as a not as an official member, but as an overseeing director. So she's, she's brilliant, but she's uh, also wouldn't be the... Not for the, everyone's best interest. I think she's kind of a bit of socialist inclined kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, which, to your points before, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, which bothers me, you know, so. Yeah. Well, to your points before, here's the breakdown of, of resilience. And this is just the article from uh, 2020 talking about the same thing, launching a change to the future of medicine, which again, think about the, the discussion of, you know, the nano kind of military minded research, just kind of pivoting into the the medicine field. And that's what we're seeing everywhere is the groups, the people you were mentioning before, right? So you can see t- ties back, which by the way, Novavax was one that I thought was interesting, which also yeah. ties back to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and plenty of others. Oh yeah. Oh and- yeah. Well, CEPI itself, which is Bill and Melinda Gates, they're, they're involved in all of Operation Warp Speed and the right. active program. So th- they're involved every time, every time, right. without fail. You know, and I, I think that's always relevant as much as you can always point out that these kind of companies seem to have their fingers in everything. It still matters, you know, when you, especially when you know the objectives behind what they're trying to accomplish. 
And you mentioned yeah. Robert Nielsen. We got, you know, as you said, in QTEL. It's just, it's absurd. Bill and the Gates Foundation, Johnson & Johnson. You know, these are, you know, and as you said, Scott Gottlieb. And there's so many of these different connections. But bringing it to Ology, which I really thought was real. And this is where it brings to me the connection to the larger point mm-hmm. of the research we were just talking about on the show in regard to the nanotechnology direction and, and what the real motive and objective is behind these things. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, just to go to the point here, I found I found a patent for Ology Bioservices that ties back yeah. to Robert Langer. From yeah, yeah, I've seen that one. Mm-hmm. Okay, your thoughts on it? Yeah, no, my thoughts on it. It's just like it, it's very clear, especially coming out of uh, MIT, which is you know well known for helping the DoD with these piezoelectric and um, biosensors. If you look up, there's plenty of SBIR contracts through through MIT for making these kind of Things. And so the, the pipeline has already been made. It's well been established that they're making for the what they call the warfighter, these wearable sensors that are biological in nature that like Klaus Schwab had mentioned, it'll start off in your clothes and then it'll be in your body. Well, that's exactly what they want to do. And so that it'll be able to check your heart rate, check all your levels of, of you know, creatine or whatever's going on in your system. They'll be able to know whether or not you've been exposed to soma, for instance, or whatever kind of uh, anti-collagenic bioweapon. And the idea though, is that these are giving full access to your body. I mean, this is the absolute loss of body autonomy. And that's what these companies are, are thinking is the next big thing. This is the next big move. And so they're all doing contracts on this. It's not a conspiracy. It's very real. And nanotherapeutics was a company that was very much in the forefront of that. Right. And and this is where it gets into the interesting discussion about Langer labor and the different work that was clearly going in this the what you just described in 2015 like the the idea of and i'll just bring this up to point this out this is 2022 so this is being reestablished during 2015 and before they were literally talking about implantables time release drugs using nanotechnology so it's interesting that that kind of just got dropped and then suddenly we're talking about the same research, but in an injection, you know, I'm not saying we can prove necessarily that there's something we don't know that's there. Or there's a lot of concern there, but I really want people to ask that question, knowing that we have discussions about whether these kind of things should be done covertly because we wouldn't understand. There's peer reviewed science talking about that, right? So yeah, no, there's lots of science on this. It's yeah. easy to find. I mean, you just, I wouldn't say do a Google search because I don't use Google, uh, I don't, <laughs> but use a search engine that's not Google to look this up and, and you'll find a cascade of patents that, mm-hmm. you know, most of them have been procured by the DOD since their invention. And right. so if the DOD is making our vaccines and they're procuring all of these nanosensing biosensors for upcoming biologics, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that, well, these two are coming together, you know? Right. The right. public-private partnership with the DOD and biosensors is is a real thing. It's happening, whether we like it or not, so far. So, yeah. yeah. And, and, and the point is, it's not even a secret concept. It's, you know, despite all the screamers on Twitter that will call you fake news, it's like they're simultaneously literally telling you this is happening. You know, that's why it's so frustrating that people push back on this kind of stuff. But so, so the point was that ultimately microchip drug delivery devices, it's a patent from 1996 or rather grant 1998 and expired in 2016 but this is ongoing work so the overlap now is with people like robert langer who as we've talked about in the past is whitney coined the common denominator for the COVID injection the academic founding for moderna who's working mm-hmm. on the same work that we're talking about and this all ties back to things like what we're talking about here for today this is actually Ju- july 18 2022 mit time release tech opens door to self-boosting vaccines now i'm not going to go through and get into all of this but it's it, the whole point here is that we're talking about the concept of giving you one shot that can then release 
vaccine doses over as, as for a long period of time. And based on the polymer they use, they can make it one day or years. And so it's yeah. just very concerning. This is exactly what people would say fake news to, right? Yeah. And, and there's a video, I just posted it on Twitter too, because it, I've probably posted it a dozen times because it's so important to watch. And I believe it's the Milken Institute from the fall of 2019. It's got Dr. Fauci. It's mm-hmm. got, um, oh gosh, what's his name? I'll, I'll, it'll come to me. Uh, but the guy, Rick Bright from BARDA. And they're talking about disrupting the system, that we have to have this new inventive way to add these new vaccines and change the way we've done them before to something new that fast tracks. And we need to disrupt the system, something like a virus from China. They literally said these words just months before COVID happens. And in that video, you you watch Rick Bright, who's I call him Rick not so bright because I just I can't stand that guy. Um <laughs> He talks about like one day, well, you know, thanks to CRISPR, we can have them, you know, send us in an email, the genetic sequence for the, for the vaccine from the virus. And then we can send them to people's homes at one point and you can just print them off and, and put them on like stickers on your body. And, and then it'll give you the vaccine. So these alternative methods of vaccination are well discussed. Bill, Bill Gates, of course, is known for the flying syringes agenda with having mosquitoes that were loaded up with these vaccines to literally just fly <laughs> and, and there's no regulation on that. If they're self-regulating right. or they're not having a control, then the the chances of overdose are quite high or underdose. It's going to lead to you know problems with infectivity rate because you're not going to get the right infection rate if you don't know how much you're giving people. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have more injuries if you don't know how much of that injection you've given them. So it's just, yeah, right, this guy. I mean, to stop playing. Uh, is this the one you were talking about? I brought the video we can play. Is that the correct oh, one? Oh, that's not the video, but oh, that shoot. that's horrifying to watch. Um, that's new from the Rockefeller Foundation. They're doing a new pandemic partnership and uh, institute. So they're doing an entire school, uh, pretty much teaching how to tie the military industrial complex with pharma. Yeah, oh, it's fantastic. awful. Well, here, let me play that since I grabbed it. And then I'll look where is the other one just beneath that. I'll, I'll play it for people to check out. Um, I will. I'll see if I can pull it up and send it to you. Um, here, let's play this go ahead, though. I'm Dr. Rick Bright, and I'm going to tell you how we can prevent the next pandemic. Three things hold the key to an early pandemic response. Collection and sharing of data a trusted early warning system, and modern data analytics to pull it all together. As part of our work to create a pandemic prevention institute, the Rockefeller Foundation is already building the partnerships and tools necessary to meet this ambitious goal. We're committed to making these measures transparent and equitable, and we believe they will keep the next outbreak localized and controlled wherever it happens in the world. It's important to start now to avoid the damage of another COVID-19. It's the only way we can stop the next deadly disease. That's how, together, we can stop pandemics for good. Wow, fantastic. Well, you know, it's kind of amazing to me that these are the same people involved with a lot of the different agendas over the years that just continue to find themselves in these positions. It's kind of unbelievable <laughs> if you have thoughts on that i'm downloading that right now yeah no it's just the the overlap thing bothers me so much and rick bright was actually fired from his position oh. while and for actually a decently good reason not like a good reason to fire him but like what he was trying to do was 
opened the door to see if hydroxychloroquine was helpful for COVID. And because of his stand against the grain in that, he was, um, you know, wrongfully moved from his position. He ended up litigating over it and getting his position back. But, um, you know, that was not mainstream news. No one was hearing about that because it was about hydroxychloroquine and they really wanted to shut that conversation up. But he's involved in, you know, obviously the Milken Institute. Uh, I believe he's an Aspen member as well. He... It's just, it's the ties over everything is just so overwhelming. And BARDA plays a huge role in these vaccine rollouts because they're mm -hmm. the intermediary between whatever company is the pharmaceutical company for contracts on um, other transactional agreements with NIH. So like BARDA is that step between because BARDA works with um, the joint, uh, what is it, joint program for JPEO, CBRN, which is a army directive. And that's the part of the army that does all these contracts so mm -hmm. um they're the intermediary so they, they mix the two hmm. well let's play that clip you suggested I, I have seen this actually this is a concerning mm -hmm. one for sure why don't we blow the system up i mean obviously we can't just turn off the spigot on the system we have and then say hey everyone in the world should get this new vaccine we haven't given to anyone yet but there must be some way that we grow vaccines mostly in eggs the way we did in 1947. In order to make the transition from getting out of the tried and true egg growing, which we know gives us results that can be you know, beneficial. I mean, we've done well with that to something that has to be much better. Uh, you have to prove that this works and then you've got to go through all of the clinical trials, phase ones, phase twos, phase three, and then show that this particular product is going to be good over a period of years. That alone, if it works perfectly, is going to take a decade. There might be a need or even an urgent call for uh, an entity right. of excitement out there that's completely disruptive, that's not beholden to bureaucratic strings and, and, and processes. So we really do have a problem of how the world perceives influenza, and it's going to be very difficult to change that unless you do it from within and say, I don't care what your perception is, we're going to address the problem in a disruptive way and in an iterative way, because you do need both. But it is not too crazy to think that an outbreak of an, a novel avian virus could occur in, in China somewhere. We could get the RNA sequence from that, beam it to a number of regional centers, if not local, if not even in your home at some point, and print those vaccines on a patch and self-administer. And this overlaps with the whole point about the whether it ever needed to be isolated in the first place, if, if, not even getting into whether it actually has ever been isolated, which I don't, I don't personally don't think it has based on Koch's postulates and lots of different points. But what's interesting is that if they never needed the sequence, the isolation and all they ever really needed was the sequence, they could just send out to people. It, it just kind of proves the reality that this has always been about having, you know, this computer screen sequence translation, MRA platform. It's a technological step. And I don't think they really even care about whether or not, I mean, I, actually funny enough, since we brought this up, I just grabbed this from yesterday. Let me know if you've seen this. It just kind of blows my mind that this stuff is just out there and it's public. And this is what they were saying at World Economic Forum about Moderna specifically and that exact point. In this, this golden era where, uh, you know, biology is going through its own digital transformation. We have more and more tools that digitize aspects of biology. So 
Uh, at Illumina, for example, we make the machines that do genomic sequencing. So you put in blood or saliva or plant material, and we'll tell you uh, the <coughs> DNA or the RNA in that sample. And there are a whole set of use cases uh, after you digitize you know, the, the data. And I'll give you a couple. Uh, one was during COVID. So we were called into China in the fall of 2020, late 2020, uh, sorry, 2019, to help them diagnose what was then a flu of unknown origin. And so we did the first sequence of the SARS-CoV-2 genome. That was published on January 10th. And around the world, what happened was uh, a couple of companies, so Moderna in Cambridge and, and BioNTech in, in Germany, took that data and started working on their vaccine. Now, what's interesting is that Moderna, for example, has never had the live virus on their site. It was all a software problem from there. I remember talking to Stefan, and he was saying, look, we're basing our entire vaccine program on that data you published. It better be good data, because that's it. That's all we're using. And, uh, and you can get a sense that Moderna is one of, arguably you know, one of the most... Uh, you know, uh, in one of the more important companies in biology right now, and yet it's all a software problem for them. And so that's a use case of once you digitize biology, you can solve profound biological problems. Another it's a good example, thing you got it right. It's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, good, good thing. <laughs> or not, right? They, or they didn't get it right, or it didn't even matter, you know? I mean, it's just kind of mind-blowing. But you, you sent me this link, so go ahead and uh, if you want to tell me about this. So this is the partnership that is in particularly in charge of these DOD joint HHS and IAID, the, the entire, they're, they're called CRADAs, like Cooperation of Research. Um, mm -hmm. And this, it shows on the page, um, I had it just pulled up, that under our, if you go scroll down into a yellow box, it says our mission. Mm -hmm. Like it says right, right above it that the joint project leads for these have CBRN sensors. So the, the sensors it's mentioned explicitly. It's not like they're hiding it. This is part of their agenda. And this is the same group of people that facilitated the manufacturing and procurement of Moderna and Pfizer. Right. And, you know, and a couple other companies as well. But that's the concern here is that this is an army page. This is, you know, when you start worrying about a police state, you know, what do you want to know what that looks like? It's when the army controls your pharmaceuticals. You know, that's pretty, that's a step in that direction. It's not the opposite direction, that's for sure. So yeah. uh, this is, you know, this is where it's heading. Is It's not going to be just for the war fighter. It's going to be for, you know, the average citizen. This is, this is the agenda and it's been set. This has been long set. This is going to happen if they get their way. And they, yeah. they use the medical countermeasures term. That's where we get it. Really, is it's a military use term. It's not really pharmaceutical. It is now, but it wasn't always. Right, exactly. And, you know, and this is exactly what we're worried about, right, is that this is we're already stepped. I mean, we, everybody just saw what happened during the COVID-19 illusion, which was coercion, force, threats, fear, you know, and, and that's exactly the concern is that what, whatever they decide next is what in your best interest or they don't care. And that's the narrative. Well, we already saw how this works. And that's why I continue to overlap this with the work, the work that is actually being done and where it currently is. And if this is the idea, which you, we, you know, you've proven, I mean, this is a link back to the or the origins of the DOD discussion is that we can see the Lieber and Langer kind of overlap with this kind of nanotech side of it, virus size transistors, brain machine interface, biotherapeutics, and so on. And so this is just Charles Lieber's work in 2011, talking about the same thing that made the injection succeed regarding the, the lipid fat, the lipid nanoparticle, right? But mm -hmm. I, wa I wanted to read one thing that Whitney wrote back in 2022, RNA for Moderna's Omicron booster manufactured by CIA linked company. 
And well, here's what she wrote on this in regard to reinventing this. And same company, National Resilience, was founded relatively recently, November 2020. Except you pointed out that that's not even actually technically correct; that it was kind of a shell game. But it describes yeah. itself as a manufacturing and technology company. And here it says, in April 2021, National Resilience acquired Ology Bioservices, as we know. And the point here, it says, Resilience was co-founded by biotech venture capitalist Robert Nielsen, as we just discussed. Nielsen was one of the earliest inventors of Illumina. Illumina is a closely tied to the DARPA equivalent of the Welcome Trust, known as Welcome Leap, who we've covered on this show before. It's very concerning mm -hmm. overlap. It says, however, while Nielsen has been given much of the credit for creating Resilience, he revealed in one interview that he that the idea for the company had actually come from someone else, Luciana Borio. At the mm -hmm. time of their conversation, Borio was the vice president of InQtel. Borio is currently a senior fellow for global health, at the Council of Foreign Relations, all of which we've discussed, a consultant to Goldman Sachs, a member of the Bill and Melinda Gates found, uh, funded vaccine alliance CEPI, and a partner at Nelson Venture Capital, ARC, or ARC Ventures, mm -hmm. uh, which funds resilience. Now, it says that N Nielsen ARC, Previously funded NanoSit, SIS, excuse me, which I recently talked about, which of course is the company owned by Charles Lieber. Yep. And so, you know, you could make an argument here about how this is just people in the same field of work that have overlap. But the more you dig into this, and I just kind of want your thoughts on that, you begin to really see an undeniable overlap of, and, and we should, for those who have seen the previous work, Lieber and Langer have worked in regard to these Chinese projects that are super contentious right now previous to this so you know the overlaps and connections you know how do you how do you see all this is this just kind of benign or you think there's bigger story behind this oh there's definitely there's always a bigger story and when people argue okay well this is the arena they're in they're all in pharmaceuticals so they're gonna be overlapped no 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 like there's I, I did the numbers on this for seeing like how many institutions are involved. And if you just look, when you look at the proximal origins paper, for instance, uh, not to sidetrack, but it's a great example. Mm -hmm. There's this, the people that are in that paper are so involved in every other step of this virus and the vaccine that, you know, it's like, oh, well, they're in the same arena. No, there's well over 4,900 different institutions in this country. There's over 56 that are postgraduate level research facilities out of those universities. You have over 10,000 uh, infectious disease experts in the country. So like when you start seeing a group of 12 or even 10 or even 20 of the same repeating names, it's not the fact that it's, oh, they're in the same arena. There's an elite group of people that have positioned themselves to have the same agenda, same results, and they work together and, and right. they just change out partners or change names of whatever the agenda is, but it's always the same actors. Yeah. And we're seeing that in this particular instance too, it's the same agenda and it's got at the tip top, it's got the same people. They might have, you know, some lab texts that are new names to throw onto the paper, but it's, it's the same people every time, the same patent owners. And, and right. it's a problem because we're not supposed to have monopolies in this country. And because when you do that, just like they had problems with Enron, you have problems with Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, any of these large groups, larger than life groups, the corruption is larger than life too. And that puts people at extreme risk because you are at the hands of people who are greedy, who don't care about you personally. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, and then this has got implications that are, uh, we can't set the precedence for it because once it's there, there's no going back mm -hmm. on this technology. There's really not. And and the the worst part about this is when you truly dive in, <clears throat> excuse me, to to some of the the 
peripheral projects for almost every single one of these people, you begin to find connections to things that are far more, far darker, things like eugenics. And, and, and that overlaps with the kind of direction that they're working on. Go ahead. You have a thought on that? But, yeah, no, this is funny. You should mention that because I've, it's, I haven't posted this thread yet because I'm still working on it. But the eugenics uh, thing in the United States is most people has hopefully historically know that we kind of are the forefront runners of eugenics in, in the world. And the Nazis really adopted a lot of that from us um, during World War II. And we had programs that were affecting people in prisons, orphanages, other countries. Even uh, Johns Hopkins was involved in right. one not too long ago with like, Guatemala. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't even care. And, and these are the programs that are like, oh, they're horrifying moments in history. No, they're realities in history. Yes, they're horrifying, but they are allowed because people allow these kind of grand partnerships with no oversight right. to, to continue. And these people seem to have a waning morality to them with every single dollar they get down yeah. goes the morality. And when you look at the eugenics in this com country, like of recent years, people always cite, okay, Bill Gates down of Planned Parenthood and Margaret Sanger. She was a eugenicist. And these are all true things. But when you look at the current kind of uh, atmosphere politically and you see who's placed in certain positions, we have a man named Rahm Emanuel, mm. who is, uh, was chief of staff under Obama, his brother, Emmanuel, Ezekiel Emanuel. Now, both of these, there's actually three brothers. The third one's not as important. But, um, Ezekiel was on the COVID-19 uh, committee, the first committee under Biden for COVID-19. And his brother argues for, for eugenics quite a bit in history ever since the Obama administration. So, I mean, he's written papers, books on this, and he's been for getting rid of the Hippocratic Oath. And these are concerns because these are the people that are, like I said, in the COVID-19 um, program to, to run things out of the White House. So if you have these people that have that mindset and they're controlling and swaying policy and that policy affects you and your family, you should be concerned when it's a eugenics minded person. And, and so it's just interesting you brought it up because the Emmanuel thing is just, it's overwhelming. This guy is just something yeah. else. Well, I'm looking forward to that work. And I mean, for me, it's, 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 it's an obvious connection to the kind of mindset for certain people. It doesn't mean that every single person involved might they feel that way, but it's important to ask yourselves, you know, a lot of people would push back and say, you, you know, conspiracy theory to any kind of thing that doesn't, but bottom line is it's just as likely that it could be some large agenda as one individual who has the desire to do so in a position of power. And it's mm -hmm. like, either way is is just as possible and yet people just don't want to consider that reality and that's just to kind of ask the question about whether or not that could have been done here or maybe that was the entire agenda around what this is these are valid questions to be asked today and one and to go back to your thread to continue on that you made an interesting point in here multiple members in regard to the boards in of the investor overlap are from uh you could tell me what some of these bf uh bmgf but then you said melinda gates foundation yeah oh okay yeah. gotcha gotcha but yeah obviously gates and fda cia rockefeller of course merrill lynch pfizer and of course multiple ties to jeffrey epstein so you've got at least three four separate different obvious eugenics connections here to different people tied to the i mean rockefeller it, that's the impetus for what you were yeah just that's the top right, right there yeah right and, but Jeffrey but, Epstein was also into some very weird, he really, I think it was called his New Mexico, was it New Mexico, his ranch in New Mexico? Um, I think that's where it was, mm. that he wanted to build this like super race of his children. Like he right. had this idea, like it's very eugenics or at least dysgenics minded and um, of making a certain type of person. And he was very well connected to the science community for some 
obviously nefarious reasons. Right. Uh, and MIT in particular is very connected with the science department, right. MIT, which is bothersome that they're so involved in everything. And that's now, Langer, you know, right. That's my yep. that's the key point I keep trying to show people is and that Bob and Langer is the, the academic founding for Moderna. Right. And, and you can keep seeing all this lead into the same kind of people yeah. like anything that even tangentially ties back to Epstein. We should be very concerned about right now. Oh, yeah. It's like nobody cares in the in the corporate media or the or the, you know, whatever. you. I mean, yeah. But the, the people surrounding him, it's such a vast network. Everyone's really like crazed about the celebrities. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the celebrities aren't the only people. And the thing is, is everyone wants celebrities around them. But who wants random scientists around them? That's that's a particular reason why you wanted to be friends with those people. That to me is far more fascinating than wanting to hang out with a starlet from Hollywood. Yeah. Everyone wants to hang out with them. But why do you want to hang out with this geneticist? Why do you want to hang out with this biologic, you know, manufacturer? That's interesting to me because not everyone would want that if they had yeah. the choice and they're a billionaire. Um, but he made it his choice, you know, so it's very interesting. Like the Bill Gates and him connection. It's, it's very interesting because there's no reason for it. Yeah. Right. Well, and you can you can see the obvious point when you like when you pull past the surface is the as we just discussed that there there's clear and Epstein has this as far back as you want to look, especially the one the more you just made in regard to. I mean, he worked, as you know, with Harvard, MIT in, in the same direction and trying to get this kind of, you know, super race kind of conversation out there. Mm -hmm. And that was these are his, his discussions. And Whitney's done great coverage of that in general. But, yeah, I mean, I think that you can't deny that. And then, of course, you see overlaps with the politician side as well. Like, for instance, I think it's oh, even yeah. just being highlighted yet again that Ehud Barak was coming and going from his location that he was supposed to be staying at while he was accused of these crimes. You know, it, it's amazing to think, and he's all covering himself up. You know, and the point is that they know, and yet they're still going to see this person. Like, what does that tell you? There's something much bigger going on here, you know? Yeah, well, it's, it's being allowed by the the highest levels. And I know Whitney's covered this, and I'm so grateful she has, because it's like my, it's my under-the-cover, like, agenda to figure it out. Like, this is, like, my main goal to figure it out is that you know jeffrey epstein was a teacher even though he's not a teacher has no teaching license but he was hired by donald barr who's william barr's father at the mm -hmm. dalton school back in like the 90s to be a teacher around children right. you know and he's not a teacher but like that was he was actually hired and was a teacher there and so you see the whole cover-up because when jeffrey epstein was first his first charges back in like 2005 who was the head of the litigation at the time william barr was and then he, you know, he gets a slap on the wrist, pretty much and nothing more. And then he goes on to do this. And what? Ha who was in charge when he was, you know, killed in prison? Well, William Barr. And it's very interesting that the same people keep showing up. Exactly. And it's not the same judges or same lawyers necessarily, but you have similar people that are in the same positions of power and they're just letting these people off the hook. And then that's the problem is we don't have enough accountability in our government. That's at the end of the day, probably the problem with everything mm -hmm. is that no one's questioning William Barr for his actions or his inactions during these times of that were extremely important to a very large case. Yeah. Um, well, but it's just I, I, the allowance is, is off the charts. Absolutely. I, I would just simply add to that. I agree, but it's more so that they, there's plenty of people asking. They just don't highlight the, the people that do get kicked to the side and don't get the spotlight. Right. And anybody that's in the spotlight, they're like, you know, they, it, it's just so funny how it's actually the overlap is kind of like the way they discuss things in the COVID discussion, right? Where yeah. you're only an expert if you say the right thing, but if you don't say it, you're kicked to the side where you're no longer an expert. So they can go, every expert agrees. And it's just so I think everybody sees this today, but it's, it's kind of comically stupid. That's, that's such like, I, I, I'm a big person on words. I really pay attention to words and um, 
that that to me has has been because double speak like orwell will tell you this is how they really initiate their control is it starts with the language and right. expert is actually from the latin word expertus and, and it means conniving it means it means trickery it's you know same thing with the word prestigious like we'd say oh mit is such a prestigious school well it comes from prestigious which means cunning and trickery to make a mockery of something and um it's an illusion so it's right. people use these words and i mean i use them too but it's just like when you look into the the root of a lot of these words that we use as common vernacular it's amazing and these companies or not companies these um colleges that are the prestigious ones they teach latin they know what these words mean and yet they continue to propagate it and um because it's just it's it's everything is what they want you to see the gatekeeping of information in this country is bar none the best like they, they've really got a hold of this if they want the same editorial to run on every channel it will and if they want somebody never mentioned again, then it will never get mentioned again. And that's why it's really important that we have, you know, independent researchers and journalists because that everything else is just mockingbird at that point. It's just repeated nonsense. Yeah. And, of obscuring the truth. You're absolutely right. And I would say for those that might just push back on that as a whole thing, you have to realize there are probably more than not in the, that system that just don't realize that they're part of it. Right. And that's, I've talked to Alison Morrow about that a lot, that she's someone who left that field and speaks out about it. And, you know, it's not, that's in no way to remove accountability, right. They should know better and know they're, you know, it's there, it's kind of a willful ignorance, but regardless, mm -hmm. there's a lot of people in there that, yeah, you know, just, they, they feel like they're doing what they're supposed to, you know, it, it's, it's, it's manufacturing consent, you know, they, yeah, they Tucker said the same thing. He couldn't right. believe that he supported the Iraq war but when you're in that and, and you're hearing from the experts and it's being mockingbird repeated through all your fellow, you know, coworkers and you trust them, then why, why would you even second guess that? That's the thing right. is they infiltrate with, with the circles. And that's why the circles of overlap are so important because mm -hmm. it only takes one person in there to start that little trend. And, and then it, it reverberates out throughout the entire community. Next thing you know, you believe a falsehood exactly. and, and that's really how it happens. And, th and this is what we talk about with the CDC and everything else that that's that right when you said that the trust point, that's where it breaks down. You as a journalist should never be doing that. And anyone out there that's trusting blindly what someone said because authority, because CDC said you've already lost. Right. And yeah, I think yeah you've lost 100 percent. And that's to speak to to practices and going forward to whoever we're talking about, you know. But so so let's bring this back to the last two points on here. And as you said, also nanosphere or nanotherapeutics. Oh, and by the way, I also had that company pulled up, which I think is right here nanotherapeutics which by the way the site's no longer there surprise surprise yeah. but it's it nano for archives right, right. <laughs> nanotherapeutics primary focus is to develop new inhalation nasal and injectable delivery systems you know it's, it's all these overlaps in the same direction but to your point um right here uh it says countless contracts with the government concerning biological warfare gene specific sensors which you talked about and to finish off to top it all off resilience was just picked in january 2023 to lead the davos panel on cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> good what are your thoughts uh, yeah the, the the how cute is that the last talk that they had in the cyber realm was about the digital id so what do you think you know what is the procession what, what are the odds that it goes digital id which is something everybody's going to have to have and patents for that are injectable ones um, that you can't avoid that has full access to your body that will be able to tell if you've been boosted and you know can't enter the country if you haven't got your latest booster and be sent to a fema camp or be re-educated kind of malarkey that they're you know they were talking about and discussing and you know yul harari is is right there with wef and davos saying yeah you don't have a right to your body you don't have a right when you know you are nothing essentially everything that you are we can do with computers i mean he, he's totally discounting 
your personal worth. It's not even making you human anymore. And that should highlight to people what they think of you. Right. You know, and I, I tell people these kind of things a lot when it comes to these agendas, especially with this digital ID and the whole idea that they're going to have biosensors is you first we have biosensory RFID chip your cat. You know, you can do that legally, I think in every state now mm -hmm. and in case your cat gets lost. Right. But that's because your that cat's your property. You know, that's, that's the idea. It's your property. You have a right to do that. You are giving these companies or the government right to, to treat you like property, which is not the case. You, you are free and have liberties in this country for, for happiness and your own personal property, but you are not property. Someone else, we abolished that long ago, you know? So we, if you're property, you're a slave. If it's unintentional, if you're not willing and people are blindly and on a sense, willingly just signing up for this, being part of the, why, why would, you know, he be talking about anything cyber warfare? What does that have to do with you at all? But, but, you know, we see it happening and it's, nobody raises a question. Nobody thinks that that's weird. Like in the slightest, nobody's like, that's, that's odd. No, they're just like, okay, that's a cool fact. No, it's not a cool fact. <laughs> it's terrifying, but they don't want to talk about it. They're afraid right. of the conversation. Right. Well, I mean, just to, to put the, the, the point on it here, I mean, obviously, you know, everything you discussed today and all the research that you showed and everything that we're finding out and then to find a, a bio, well, technically we're talking about biotherapeutics, but realize mm -hmm. what we showed you, we're talking bio surveillance as well. Internal yeah. Lieber's work, Langer's work, it's the same work just repackaged in the COVID-19 injections cough topic. Why would that be involved with cybersecurity? As you're saying, mm -hmm. that makes no sense at all, unless there's an element to what you're talking about that overlaps with the, the ability to be secured or, mm -hmm. you know, and so on. I mean, that's what we're talking about. So yeah, yeah. I'm with you. And I think that's that how this all started. Surveillance. Right. If you look at the predict program that, that started the whole virus nonsense with the eco health Alliance mm -hmm. and, you know, D Dr. Uh, Andrew Huff, he talks about this quite a bit, you know, in his book, mm -hmm. especially in an interviews that it was tied with the same groups that are tying with the vaccine makers. This is intelligence. This is CIA that are running it. But the whole premise of those grants was under surveillance for surveillance for pandemic emerging diseases, right? So surveillance is, is the first step before you gain control. That was the whole fear of the Chinese spy balloon was it not it was performing surveillance. So surveillance is a huge, it's DOD 100%. There's nothing about it that's public health. There's nothing about it that's really, they want you to, to think that because they're tying in these ideas together, which look how disastrous that became. We got COVID. So, you know, surveillance, they want it not just to view you. They want to be in your body. They want to have full control and then your property. And then you don't have rights anymore. You know, right. by the time your people wake up to ask, you know, what is this chip in my hand? Well, it's too late at that point. You can't let it get there, but they're mm -hmm. going to push it. They are heavily pushing this. Yeah. And and, and it's important for people to not, you know, th this is a verifiable topic. I know it's so, it sounds crazy to people. The reality though, is that this is something that's being talked about. There's peer reviewed science on it. It's being even proposed as some way to, I mean, even in, in abstract ways, talking about these kind of things for like, you know, or like for instance, inject it certain injections that have enzymes that make you no longer want to eat meat to stop climate change these are real conversations that are being had and as much as yeah. it may be a little bit fringe to some people it is being discussed and that's very concerning and go ahead yeah. your point. i do uh you know when it comes to messing with the biologics of every person this is the reason i wouldn't say i'm an anti-vaxxer but i'm definitely uh anti-mass vaccination mm -hmm. I, I don't think that's a good idea because it it messes with the entire premise of medicine i did start when i went to college i went initially for pediatric nursing. So I did all the original undergrad biologic 
um, like organic chem and everything. So I've done a lot of this study. I took anatomy and I understand basic limited amount of medicine. And the problem with blanket medicine is that it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. For instance, if we were just make it a food item and I was to say everybody on earth has to have two tablespoons of peanut butter every morning or else they're going to die, right? Just something ridiculous. The problem is there's people that are deathly allergic to peanuts. You cannot blanket that. And just like you couldn't do it with pair of pants they're not going to fit everybody we're mm -hmm. all different you know we're yes we're all humans but we vary vastly especially when you get down to the molecular level right. and, and you don't know what that's going to do for somebody else and with the introduction of organophosphates and a million other endocrine disruptors and things that are changing our dna we don't know how varied these differences have become we're, we're playing catch up as we continue to make more pharmaceuticals interact with our you know our biology so they're playing a really terrible game and I wouldn't have a problem with vaccinations if they didn't do that. Everyone gets the same dose. It doesn't matter if you're 12, it doesn't matter if you're 50, it doesn't matter if you have COPD or diabetes, you are all getting the same thing regardless of, of your medical history. That's ridiculous. That's dangerous. You, you, it's just, it's not, it's, it's ridiculous. It just doesn't make any sense. It sounds so dangerous. It's and quite literally unscientific. Thank you. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's it, it, based on everything we know. I mean, and it's, it, you're right to say that. And the idea that it's ever been like, and what the, the just barely concealed point is that it's collectivism. It's like, well, yeah. yes, we know we're going to hurt people, but, and I, at some level, I do think people actually believe this, but it's some that they know it's not true, but that we have to do this because it'll save more than it will hurt. But that's not something they get to decide. And I, yeah, also collateral damage isn't decided by the people who dish it out. It's decided by the person you injured. And, you know, and it's, everyone thinks it's fun and games until they lose a family member or they themselves are injured by the vaccine. Then, oh, it's the most serious thing in the world. No, it's been a serious thing. It's just you were from the opposite end saying, oh, well, there's going to be collateral damage. It's not going to be a big deal until it happens to you. And um, I thought that would have run true for a lot of politicians like Gavin Newsom. He got the Bell's palsy, I think it was, or was it Gian Beret? Um, He had a small you know, reaction mm -hmm. to the vaccine. There is a senator from, I think, Indiana or Iowa, one of the I states, whose daughter died suddenly as a teenager in her sleep right after vaccination. And she was getting ready to go to college. So she was like 15, 16 or something. She was young, healthy, sport, you know, in sports. She was, and he bragged about getting his entire family vaccinated on Twitter. And then maybe a couple months later said, sorry to announce she died in her sleep. Something was wrong with her heart, you know, that they found in the autopsy, but we don't know what caused this. And I was like, oh no, this is, and you would think he would have stopped promoting it, but he didn't. And that's the sad thing is some people don't even catch on when it's right in their face. Well, so many people are just too, there's too much hubris. They don't want to yeah. recognize that they were wrong or rather address the consequences of admitting that. And people will literally live their lives. And that's why the government will always give them something. No, no, no. Here's the story, right? I know mm -hmm. the facts say something, but here's how you interpret that. And they give them something and they they hold on to that ledge for dear life. And we're seeing that with most people that are buying that right now. Like there's only a few like I actually think it's quite clear the majority is at least aware that there's something wrong going on with. This yeah, right now. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, I still see people in masks walking around outside. So that's just fear that's concerning. Them. You know, there's a lot of people that are just scared. And if they have one person going, maybe you're going to die. They go, well, I'll wear it just to be safe. You know, there's a lot of those people that just don't, you know, they're, they just don't want to even engage with the politics. But in any case, I think that what you're doing here and the threads and the information we're discussing, I mean, this, this gives people something to stand on. You know, it's not something yeah. that you can dismiss. The information's right there. You can look at it for yourself. And so to, to kind of leave us on this point, I wanted to, again, 
just ask the question for people, which I've been doing with this, this focus, this topic the entire time. And it doesn't mean that I am assuming or believing that this is the case. I would need evidence and facts to prove that. And I wouldn't say it if I, I wouldn't say this as an, as a fact, if I didn't have the evidence to prove it, but my opinion, or rather just the question to ask is, is it possible that what we've talked about here, the technology, the nanotech discussion, is it possible that that's something that was already used? The idea of the sensors, the mesh, and all the things we've talked about. And I just want to reiterate this concept of what Charles Lieber, again, this, this ties right back to the, the, the thread of scientific research that's going through all of it. The brain-machine interface, the injections, the nanotechnology after that. Every aspect we talked about ties back to this original research of the virus-sized transistor finding a way to actually deliver a as in this case, a, a virus or bacteria with something inserted that can deliver a payload inside of your cells. And the only way they were able to get that to work was using a, a nanolipid layer. This is what they're talking about. And what he says here is the innovation because it is important because it indicates that when a mad main structure is as small as a bacteria or virus, well, it behaves like biology. We wouldn't know the difference is the point. And then finally, he says at the end, and you can see here the overlap with the brain machine interface that Elon is talking about. He says down here that basically when we scale down, the difference between digital and living system blurs. That sounds like Klaus Schwab. So that you have an opportunity to do things that sound like science fiction, things that people have only dreamed about. And the reason I like to end with that point is for people to think about these things that they are calling crazy. That's conspiracy theory. Well, that's what he's telling you. It sounds crazy, but it's not. It's really happening. And they're really working on this. That's 2011. So I want people to think about everything you outlined and what we talked about and whether or not that's possible, that it's something that's already been executed, especially since you made clear that this is DOD long before this, that that was their objective long before this. And then yeah. it gets quiet and suddenly COVID-19 happens and suddenly they succeed with these injections. They failed after 20 years. Something doesn't sit right. Convenient. Yeah. How yeah. convenient. You're right. right. Um, the, so, the agenda is definitely there. And the least thing I could like ask people to do is just be if anything skeptical, just be skeptical. Like that's the beginning. Once you're skeptical and you get something that just doesn't sit right. And it happens for, I think every truth or out there that you, you just are open-minded and then something crosses your path that will just sit in your brain and just bite you until you address it. And it's just like, that's just something about that doesn't sit right. You know? And, and that's how I felt about the whole resilience thing. So something about this just doesn't sit right. right. And sure enough, it, it wasn't right, you know, and not neglecting your, your instincts like that. I think, too many people have been talked out of it because, oh, the expert says this and safe and effective, safe and effective. You know, it's just like right. they will like, you know, it was a Hitler quote. I think they said, if you repeat a lie enough, people will believe it. Right. Well, don't let it overpower your your instincts when something's that's that's your natural body. And regardless of what they say in that paper, um, it's you can tell the difference. I think you can tell the difference mm. between biology and something synthetic and lies are always synthetic and the truth is always natural. And so. You can tell, I think as a human being, you, you know, deep in your body, what, what, when something's wrong and when something's right. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that we need to abandon the idea that we are just these machines that are in need of better wiring. Like, you know, like WEF wants us to believe in Yuval Harari, because we're more than that. And we can, we are intelligent creatures. And um, I don't think we need all these sensors. We don't need to live a million years and, um, you know, it's kind of just, it says that humans as they are, are not adequate enough. And I don't, I don't right. believe that in the, in right. the slide is. Well, this is the inherent concept of eugenics and, and which is just a stepping stone to the technocracy that's being built. This is a technocratic mindset and, and all of this direction, all of the people we've talked about, they all tie back to these same things. You can see them discuss these concepts. So yeah, I, I'm with you. And I think that the idea that we need to somehow improve humanity or somehow that we're not 
you know, rather that the weakness we have is our humanity. That's dangerous. Yeah. And I think that's, that that's all- terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't want, you know, there's, there's too many times in history where we talk about the worst points in history was one group oppressing another because of something that's just biologically their nature, right. whether it's the Holocaust or slavery, it's there was nothing inherently wrong with the people that were being slaughtered or in, or in servitude. It's just that they were different than the owners. And that's really what it comes down to is that there's a group of people who think that something with your biologic is either dangerous or unhealthy or unnecessary. And then they're going to want to eradicate that. Right. Don't let them, you know, get inside your body and be able to do that essentially wirelessly without even having to be there. Commit yeah. genocide. That sounds like a terrible idea, in my opinion. I don't know. It's yeah. just me. But it sounds like an awful idea. And it sounds like a people are like, but progress brings us so many things. The Internet. and Yeah. But we never take a minute to stop and think mm-hmm. about what could happen. We just or if it should happen, we just think of what would be the possibilities. And it's just, uh, right. it's a dangerous thought and it's a dangerous pathology to administer worldwide without any, any sort of precursors to it that we don't have any, we don't have any knowledge how this is going to go. We have zero. It's just like MRNA. We have no idea how this is going to happen. Exactly. And, and they never think about the the downfall. It's always, Oh, what could progress bring and what could it deliver us, but never the negatives. And that's foolish and childish to think that, you know, there's not going to be a negative. That's crazy. I agree. I agree. And I would take it one step further and simply say that they don't have the right to make these choices for everybody as much as they may pretend that they do. So thank you for being here and and going through all of this. Is is there anything you want to leave us with in regard to uh, upcoming work you have or website people could check out or anything like that? Uh, I'm I'm just, I'm continuing to work on the entire COVID complex, the military pharmaceutical industrial complex. I'm trying to make it more understandable. That's the whole point of my research on Twitter is to put it in. I try to do visuals with the actual links and the actual websites. I break down what all the, you know, the shortened abbreviations mean, because there's a lot of them, like the MCMs, not everyone knows, or CRADAs or OTA. I break those down so that the average person, because what it really comes down to is the average person. If we have more of the average populace informed I have, like John F. Kennedy said, I believe that if you inform them, they will make the right decision. Right. And so the problem is that's why they, you know, obscure things. This, you know, hiding the important legislation deep in a bill of over four thousand pages because, well, that's what they do. They want it confusing so that you don't understand what's going on. But it can be, you know, untangled, and that's what I'm trying to do with what's going on with these, this, and the future idea of these medications that they're going to put on us. And I'm working on, so all of that, and I'm definitely going to be looking into the nano sensors some more because I do have friends that are um, in the military and I'm going to ask them about these kind of directives. I have a friend that's corpsman, so um, maybe they've heard some things and I will just continue what I do. So just uncover whatever doesn't sit right with me and make it available to the public. Outstanding. Well, I can't wait to see it. Especially let me know when you, when you ask these people what they have to say, I'd love to hear that. And, yeah. uh, and, and you, you know how you can tell she's a conspiracy theorist because she cites her source material. It's absolute, right? That's what they always, I got censored you know, Patreon for that same reason. Cause Hey, you, you could talk about it, but you can't prove it. You prove it. You're a conspiracy theorist. Well, yeah, I'm that, a bit vain. Idea. I don't like being wrong. I really hate that. And so like, if I have, and when you, I'm sure you've experienced this as being like a, a truth or with a channel, on, on BitChute, it's very harsh. Like the people on there are just, it's a brutal field to work. Yeah. And people will call you out on absolutely anything that you bring up. Like no matter what, there's always going to be shills or pro versus cons to everything. So they'll be like, oh, that's not true. Where'd you get that information? 
And, you know, something I learned, honestly, from Dell Big Tree, because I love Dell. I love the high wire. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. If you're going to watch any sort of news, watch them, you know. And um, he always sends with every single episode he airs every week. He sends, if you're on the mailing list, every document supporting every point they brought up right. from the source right to your inbox. And I was like, you know, that brought a lot of trust for me mm-hmm. in his work in Jeffrey Jackson. So I'm like, I like that. I'm, I'm just going to cut the conversation. And now... It's taken a long time, but if you put the information out there for people, they will make the right decision. They will see, okay, that's the facts. Thank you. And, and that's really, it's so important for, for people to do that. And like, here's the, you know, take into the actual website, leave the website. That's so important. And I tried, I do try to make it a point to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like I said, I don't want you to trust me. I want you to trust your gut instincts. And right. if your gut instincts think you should double check my work, then I want you to be able to have that available for you. Absolutely. I mean, my audience knows this all too well. I'm, I scream about this constantly, you know, every single source link, everything. So it's not just so you can repeat what we're saying. It's so you can yeah. truly understand it. So you can have an intellectual conversation about it, of, you know, on your own time with other people and actually logically explain it. You know, today, yeah. all people do is seemingly regurgitate lines they hear from different things. And maybe they've got some insight on it. But so thank you yeah. for doing that, because it's so important today. <laughs> So, Thanks. Yeah, um, I hope it, it, other truthers do it too, because I, that, that's the ones I respect the most is the ones who who leave you the links and just you might have a different perspective than, than the person who gave yeah. you the link. You might have a whole new conversation, but that's what needs to happen is the conversation. And it doesn't happen without the knowledge. So, right. yeah, you're more than welcome. I'm going to continue doing it. So. Well, outstanding. Well, thank you again for being here. And I'm going to leave us with a video I just made a couple minutes long of kind of this compilation of all like the Harari's in there, Klaus and all the different things they say. It'll just kind of put a little fine point that we talked about today, but we should connect again in the future. I'm looking forward to the rest of the Absolutely. Thanks again for being here. And as always, everybody out there, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Let's also be clear. The future is not just happening. The future is built by us. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. Today, we have the technology to hack human beings on a massive scale. Yeah, I mean, everything is being digitalized. Everything is being monitored. In this time of crisis, you have to follow science. Decarbonization of the economy. Where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So, individual carbon footprint tracker. Mm. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. I mean, my top recommendation, honestly, would be just to have a carbon tax. often said that you should never allow a good crisis to go to waste because a crisis is an opportunity to also do re- good reforms that in normal times people will never agree to, but in a crisis you see we have no chance, so, 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 so let's do it. Surveillance, people could look back in a hundred years and identify the coronavirus epidemic as the moment when a new regime of surveillance took over, especially surveillance under the skin, which I think is maybe the most important development of the 21st century, is this ability to hack human beings, to go under the skin, collect biometric data, analyze it, and understand people better than they understand themselves. This 
I believe, is maybe the most important event of the 21st century. By hacking organisms, elites may gain the power to re-engineer the future of life itself. Because once you can hack something, you can usually also engineer it. Natural selection is replaced by intelligent design. The era of inorganic life is now beginning. In the coming decades, AI and biotechnology will give us godlike abilities to re-engineer life and even to create completely new life forms. We are about to enter a new era of inorganic life shaped by intelligent design. Our intelligent design. Nobody will be safe if not everybody is vaccinated. Are you vaccinated? If I yes. may ask. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm very, very pro vaccination. Yeah. Right? We've, uh, it's, the science is unequivocal. The difference of this first uh, industrial revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing, it changes you. If you take a genetic editing, right. uh, just as an example, it's you who exactly. are changed. Yeah. And of yeah. course, this has a big impact yeah. on your identity. Yeah. Can you imagine that in 10 years when we are sitting here, we have an implant in our uh, brains and um, I can immediately feel, because you all will have implants, I can, and we measure your, your brain waves, and I can immediately tell you how the people react or I can feel uh, how the people react um, to your answers, uh, is it imaginable? Just think of sensors planted into our brains. Basically implanted in your skull, so... Uh, <laughs> but it would be so, uh, flush with your skull, so you basically uh, take out a chunk of skull, replace, put the neuralink device in there, um, you would put the, the electrode, you'd insert the electrode threads, very carefully into the, the brain. To build basically an interface to the brain. Yeah. Electrode to neuron interface at a mi micro level. Okay, what is that? Like, I'm gonna have like a plug in my head that's gonna fit into a hard drive? Like, or how does that work? Yeah, yeah. Ch a chip and a bunch of tiny wires. This, this would be implanted surgically. And it would do what? Could you input? Could you download Jim? Mm-hmm. Yes. What, what, <laughs> the long-term aspiration for Neuralink was, would be to achieve a symbiosis with uh, artificial intelligence. What we have seen so far, it's corporations and governments collecting data about where we go, who we meet, what movies we watch. The next phase is the surveillance going under our skin. COVID is critical because this is what convinces people to accept, to legitimize total biometric surveillance. One of the things that I think is so essential to free and open societies is freedom of thought. Um, and up until now, the conversation we've been having is around freedom of speech. Once we can access people's thoughts and access people's emotions, um, we have to create a space that enables people to think freely. What the fourth industrial revolution will lead to is a fusion of our physical, our digital, and our biological identities. It is important to use the COVID-19 crisis as a timely opportunity that people assume uh, we are just going back uh, to the good old world which we had um, and everything will be normal again in how we are used to normal in the old fashion. 
this is, uh, let's say, fiction. It will not happen. Um, the the uh, cut which we have now um, is much too strong uh, in order not to leave traces. The future is not just happening. The future is built by us.